0: about as fundamental and the beginning as we can get. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is the subject of the first sentence of the Bible. The earth was without, was formless and void and darkness was over the spirit of the deep. And the spirit of God, darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving the surface of the waters then God said let there be light and there was light what you see in creation is the power of the word of God I apologize for not getting this song to John something tells me he probably would know how to lead it Uh, But I changed the title in my mind at the last moment. Give me the Bible. The point we're stressing right now is the power of God's Word. And the all-powerful Creator spoke our world into existence. He spoke it into existence. When he speaks, things happen. In 1.3, God says, let there be light, and instantly there is light. This pattern continues throughout this chapter. The text tells us, In verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God speaks it, and it happens then the text says in verse 11 God said let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them and it was so so over and over we see that God speaks things into existence in the end of the chapter let's go to the last example up there, Genesis 1 verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky. And over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth And subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Just trying to ponder what this passage tells us about the power of God speaking. When God speaks, things happen look if you will in Psalm 33 verses 6-9 of Psalm 33 focus on this act of creation in verse 6 by the word of the Lord the heavens were made and by the breath of their mouth, all their hosts, all that was made, all the heavens, all the galaxies that were spoken into existence by him. By the word of God, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Now verse 7 talks about how the waters gathered up As a heap. Verse 8 calls on all the earth to fear him and to stand in awe of God. For verse 9, he spoke and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. Now, I give these facts that I'm about to give somewhat regularly. But if one began at one end of our galaxy and travel the speed of light, it would take 100,000 years traveling the speed of light to get from one end of our galaxy to the next end. The distance between us and the next neighboring galaxy is more than that. And there are hundreds of millions of galaxies. And God spoke them all into existence. What does that tell us about the power of God? What does that tell us about the power of the words of God? When God speaks, incredible things happen. And not only did He speak the world into existence once, but every day He continues to sustain our world. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, the Bible says of Jesus, He is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. That's the part that I wanted to emphasize. He upholds all things by the word of his power. 2 Peter 3 makes a similar statement. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible is talking about the days of Noah. Verse 7 says, by his word, the present heavens and earth are are reserved for fire. But my point, Hebrews 1.3, 2 Peter 3.7, both of them speak of God's Word creating the heavens and now sustaining the heavens. The reason the heavens operate orderly right now, the reason the universe stays intact is because of God's power. The power demonstrated in creation by His Word. Now His creation is sustained every single day. Now, some of you may think at first that what I'm about to say is a jump or a leap in logic. Because we're going to God's Word as He spoke in creation to God's written Word. But isn't that exactly what Psalm 19 does? Psalm 19, in the first six verses, deals with how the heavens and their expanse shows us the glory of God. God's glory is shown in creation. God's glory is shown in the things that He has made. To study something like biology, to study something like astronomy, and to see the stars, all of that can be faith building if looked at through the lens of what God has done and God's glory because the heavens are continually telling the glory of God but after the first six verses of Psalm 19 and talking about how God's glory is displayed in the heavens the heavens that He spoke into existence this passage makes the connection between God's Word that created the heavens and the earth in God's Word and Scripture. Give me the Bible. Because the Bible is a book that God has spoken. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord. And he uses... Other synonyms, he uses law of the Lord, testimony of the Lord, precepts of the Lord, commandments of the Lord, fear of the Lord, judgments of the Lord in these next verses. All of them are basically synonyms in these passages to speak of what God has said, what God has revealed. But notice how he describes that law. In verse 7, it is perfect, restoring the soul The words restoring the soul. The same words used in Psalm 23 verse 3 where David said, He restores my soul. God restores my soul. His words restore my soul. His words can give me strength. His words can sustain me when I'm broken and when I don't think that I can go on. The law of the Lord is perfect. Restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure It's dependable. Making wise the simple. Do you not always know the right way to go or the right path to take? Sometimes have a question about what is the way I should go? What is the thing I should do? We all have those questions. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. It may not answer every specific question that we might face. But it deals with the things we need to know to walk wisely in our world. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Have you ever had a moment where you understood something? You may even relate that to someone else and it says, a light bulb went on. When we look at His Word, all kinds of light bulbs are coming on. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. And the drippings of the honeycomb. People desire money, riches, wealth. They desire Food and pleasant food, sweet things like honey. Whatever you want to use as a comparison, nothing compares to this word. It can make us wise. It can rejoice our heart. It can enlighten our eyes. It can restore our soul. The same God who spoke at creation has spoken through His Word. And He has made us and He knows us. And He knows what words can move those whose heart is His. In 2 Corinthians 4 refer to creation in verse 6 for God who said light shall shine out of darkness he's referring back to Genesis 1 3 he's referring back to when God said let there be light and there was light when God spoke something happened but but look at how this is used in context In verse 5 Paul said we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus sake for God who said light shall come out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The same God who spoke and what was all darkness becomes light let there be light has presented Jesus as the light of the world and we can have light through him the same God who spoke and things happen speaks and changes can be made in our life are you weak spiritually you need revival you're broken you need hope you're discouragement discouraged, and you need building up what is more powerful than his words to do that a parable of the sower the parable of the sower which we've gone over not long ago Shows us when the word falls into a good heart. It bears much fruit. And it may produce and reproduce 30, 60, 100 times. The more time that we spend with it, the more we reflect on it the more it can bear fruit in our lives. Now, I want to relate basically three accounts here to say something about the Word. Open your Bibles first to Joshua 6. We want to show that God's word always comes true. The first account in Joshua chapter 6 is God tells Israel to march around the city of Jericho seven times on the seventh day and the wall, they'll blow the trumpets and the walls will fall flat. And Israel is not to take anything from the city for personal use. I want you to notice how this chapter ends. In Joshua 6 verses 26 and 27, Joshua made them take an oath at that time saying, cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. With the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gate. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread in all that land. So Joshua pronounces a curse. I think we're going to see later that this is not just Joshua's curse. This is Joshua as a prophet speaking the word of the Lord. Cursed before the Lord is the man who rebuilds Jericho. Now let me go ahead and tell you this that you're going to see all through the Old Testament references to Jericho. But what you don't see in those references isn't the fact that they're trying to rebuild the city. You don't see that. He's not saying you can't go through the ruins or you can't live among the ruins, but cursed is the one who rises and builds the city Jericho. There doesn't seem like there was an effort to rebuild the city until the time of a king of Israel named Ahab. You remember Ahab and his nice wife Jezebel. The text tells us in 1 Kings 6 verse 34, in his days Hael the Bethelite built Jericho. And he laid its foundations with the loss of Abiram, his firstborn. And set up its gates with the loss of his youngest son, Seagal. According to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, if I'm correct in dating the events of Joshua, the book of Joshua, to around 1400 BC, I'm pretty certain to be correct in dating Ahab the way I am, because chronology can be more established by that. But we have over 500 years since the curse was opened. Now I want you to think about this. Think about this. I admit, fictional conversation. But someone may have asked, Hiel, well, how about, you're going to rebuild Jericho? How about that curse? Joshua, man. Oh, that was a long time ago. A long time. God's Word always comes true. Regardless of how long ago it was found. Some dismiss the Bible. Some particularly dismiss the Bible in the type of things we discussed this morning. Because that was a long time ago. why be guided by a book that goes back 3,000 years? Because it is a book that ultimately owes its origin to the God who made us. And He is communicating to us not the culture of ancient, just the culture of ancient Israel or just the culture of the New Testament world, but He is relating His eternal revelations in the midst of those walls. God's Word comes true regardless of how long ago it was spoken. I love this next account. If you're not familiar with it, let me plead with you to read it. Because I want to tell you, the Bible's version of the story is better than my synopsis of it. But in 2 Kings... verse 24 it was an incredible famine an intense severe famine it was so severe listen to this verse 25 that they were selling a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth of a cab of dove's dung for 5 shekels of silver the people were starving so That almost worthless pieces of unclean animals, like a donkey's head, are being sold at exorbitant prices. The famine is so intense that verse 26 begins to relate a story about how people were eating their own children to survive. Eating their own children to survive. To shorten this man, the king, who is not specifically named. The king of Israel blames God and blames, blames Elisha and threatens that he's going to kill Elisha. He sends messengers to the house where Elisha is. Elisha is waiting at the house with some elders. He tells them when the soldier comes, he says, you hold the door shut because the king is coming right behind him. And then when he gets here, we will let him in. And when he comes in, they said, this famine is from the Lord. Why should we wait for the Lord any longer? And Elisha says, this is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a measure of fine flour we sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of a Samaria. The man on whose arm the king leaned, the servant of the king said, if the Lord should open the windows of heaven, how could this be? And he said it will happen it will happen but because you haven't believed the word of the lord you won't experience the blessings of it in the meantime we see a story that looks like another story breaking out but it's all going to be pulled back together there are four lepers who are starving to death outside the city of samaria Lepers had to live beside themselves. They had to cry unclean when anyone comes close. They said, we're starving to death. There's nothing to eat. If we go to the city of Samaria, the famine is there. We're not going to be better off. Let's go to the Arameans and, and let's surrender to them. And if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. But maybe they'll show mercy on us and we'll live. And so they went over to the camp of the Arameans, and I don't know what you did to surrender in those days. I don't know if you hold, held your hands up. I don't know if you waved a white flag, but whatever they come running into the camp, screaming, I surrender! Not there, but they have left their tent and their food. And these men who are starving to death go into one tent and they eat and they drink and they, they take other garments and they rejoice rejoicing. They go to another tent and they do the same thing and say, hey, oh, oh, this is not right. People. In Samaria are starving. We've got to let them know about this. So they go as close as they can to that gate. They yell, "The Arameans have deserted their camp, and there's food." cannot believe it he said it's a trap he said they're simply trying to get us out of the city and they're going to pounce on us and kill us once we get there and one of the men says to the king listen king we're we're dying anyway at least send some horses and chariots to search this thing out if they're trapped and and they're killed we're going to die anyway in this famine maybe it's true so he listens He sends out, he sends out a couple of horses and chariots. And they found It's right. The Arameans have deserted their camp. And they announce. There is food in the camp of the Arameans. Can you imagine when people are starving to death as they were in this text and they hear that there's food right outside the gate? I can imagine there was a lot of pushing and shouting but there was only one foot out that day. You know who it was? The man who said If the Lord should open the windows of heaven. How can this be? And the Bible tells us. The Bible says. That in the gate of Samaria. Two measures of barley. Were sold for a shekel. And a measure of fine flour. For a shekel. Regardless. Of how. Unlikely it seems God's word will always comes true it comes true regardless of the time it comes true regardless of how unlikely and the Back to Ahab. Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, Ramoth Gilead belongs to us and we're not doing anything to take it from the Arameans. He says to Jehoshaphat, you come with me. Jehoshaphat says, I'll go. But says, can we inquire of the Lord? They inquire of the Lord and there are 400 prophets that tell Ahab exactly what he wants to hear. Go up. Go up. The Lord will give it into your hand. Jehoshaphat is suspicious. And Jehoshaphat said, is there another prophet of the Lord here that we can inquire of him? And Ahab says, there's Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him because he always says bad things about me. Never says anything good. So Micaiah is called before King Ahab. He is pressured to give the answer Ahab rules. But he says, I saw all Israel like sheep without a shepherd. It's verse 17 and 18. Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and says, I told you, he always says bad things about me, never good things. He knew what that meant. We know what that means. It means Ahab was going to die. Before Ahab goes out to battle... He says, I want you to put Micaiah in prison and feed him with bread and water until I come back. And Micaiah says, If you come back at all, the Lord is not spoken by me. Did Ahab believe those words? It's interesting. How he tries to protect himself. The king, the prophet has told him, you, O oh king, are going to die. Well, what he does is he disguises himself going into the battle. He looks like a regular soldier. He doesn't look like the king of Israel. He encourages Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, you wear your royal robes. But I'm going to dress like a normal soldier. I know there's nothing to what my case said, but I'm going to do it just a The king of Aram in the meantime has said, Don't you fight with anyone, whether small or great, except the king of Israel. And so all of them see Jehoshaphat dressed up. And when they see Jehoshaphat dressed up, they all run after him, thinking he is the king of Israel. But Jehoshaphat cried out. Chronicles shows us he, he prayed to God, and God delivered Jehoshaphat. God delivered Jehoshaphat. But I'll tell you what happened to Ahab. There was a soldier who wasn't shooting at anything in particular. He just drew his bow and shot his arrow. And it flung into the air. And of all the places that it could have hit, it comes down and hits. Ahab, the king of Israel, the one who's dressed like a normal soldier, the one who doesn't look like a king, it comes down and hits him and he dies according to the word of the Lord. God's word comes true regardless of how much time passes. God's word comes true regardless of how unlikely God's word comes true regardless of what we do to try to ensure that it will not happen. God's word always is fulfilled. May God help us to reverence Him, to reverence His words. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, how awesome and how mighty you are. In the same power that spoke our worlds into existence, you have also spoken in Scripture. May we love you. May we love the words you have revealed to us. May we let them shape our lives. For we know you have power to build us up, to shape us and mold us into what we should be. To you, O God, be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We do thank all you visitors who are with us. Thank you for your presence. God bless you all. When we come to the end of the service and we exhort you to be baptized, we do that because we find that in Scripture. And God's Word was able to save those who did that 2,000 years ago. And we believe it came you as well. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, if you're willing to repent of your sins, to be baptized in Christ, we'd be glad to help you as we stand and sing.